0: Hey guys, welcome to episode 21 of Next on the Platform. This week I'm joined by Trey Taylor. T- uh, Trey, how are you today, man?
1: I'm good, I'm good. How are you doing,
0: man? Yeah, good, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. Now, I'll let you introduce yourself for those of you who aren't familiar with Trey. Uh, take it away, man.
1: Alright. Uh, my name is Trey Taylor. I'm a currently 181 power lifter. I have, I've competed in USPA, RPS, all the BS federations. so... We'll put it that way.
0: And and is that how you came across to get fifteen state records?
1: It is. Uh my first so the first meet I did, I did two unsanctioned meets, just like local charity meets when I first started. because um, I was like dead I think I was a sophomore in high school. I was like deadlifting and pulled like four oh five. I weighed one fifty-five or something. And uh this guy, he was like, Man, you need to do a meet. Mm. I was like I was like, dude, what are you talking I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, was that a deadlift bar? Hmm. I said, I said, what? Because <laughs> I have no clue, you know? I was like, yeah. I don't know what that is. So uh, I did a couple couple unsanctioned meets, just charity meets, and uh I was doing pretty good at those. And then people guided me, which I kind of I kind of got guided in a different direction than a lot of lifters do nowadays. Like, I got guided into, like, the... Uh, I don't know, kind of the hardcore area, I guess you mm. could say. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And so, it's uh, it sort of,
0: I can sort of tell by like your training style. And, like, I can tell, yeah. you can usually spot like the different, like what their guidance was from early on. You can really tell the difference between like the deadlift bar type and the like stiff bar, you know, very traditional like type it's it's pretty it's pretty evident and i did notice when i first came across your page i was like okay yeah like a, i noticed something was like slightly different about the influence but yeah sorry keep going man
1: oh yeah yeah it's different uh i'm not uh not as smart as other people listen i like to say i like to say it's not even that i'm not like smart towards it it's uh because people's like just be patient be patient yeah i'm being impatient but it's more of me being hungry for more i guess you could say that mm-hmm. i kind of like push myself a little little too hard at times mm-hmm. but yeah uh i kind of got brought up into that the people that got me in the direction uh the uspa meet my first time and i think i went like three for nine like i hit my openers because i had like no clue how to train like it was and then uh, I just did a couple. Of, I did some other meets, RPS, just throughout the years. Like mm. I said, the BS federations. So. Mm.
0: And so you spent most of your time uh, in those other federations. And now, because recently I've seen on your Instagram, um, you pulled out of a meet and then you swapped to the USAPL. So can you walk me through that?
1: Yeah. So uh, I was just kind of getting burnt out. I was getting super fatigued, which is on me. I can't can't really get by with the stuff I used to do now I'm can't really get by with it so yeah I was supposed to compete yesterday actually but I was I was just I was kind of worried I was gonna go in and get injured I was just super fatigued I was getting burnt out on training the past month I took a little break and like did did some different stuff different variation just to just to take some time off but now I'm hopping back into it and I was just getting bored because you know, I go into these meets and it's just all the time chasing numbers, chasing numbers, chasing numbers. That's, that's all it is. And, uh, with the, with the federations I do, there's, there's no, and I don't, I don't mean this any disrespect to anybody. There's just no, there's no competition for me ever because I always cross over to the open division just so I have somewhat competition against the open competitors. But, uh, and the reason I'm switching over to USAPL is, uh, where where's the best lifters? I, I was talking to myself. I was like, the best lifter is my age, my weight. It's USAPL, mm. and I, I come from a athletic background, so I love uh, I love competition. So that's where all all the competition is, and that's that's where I want to go now.
2: Mm. Yeah,
0: I mean, and so you spoke about just then it was getting bored, boring, like chasing numbers and like con- just continuously is um is that do you think coming down to just competing maybe too often like a few times a year or is it just uh, like the the mentality that you had going into those meets
1: uh yeah i i competed i competed back in february and it was kind of like a last minute thing in my state um i actually wasn't supposed to compete at all then but it was a meet meeting my states a new federation that just started and they was offering a cash prize for best overalls i was like oh heck, i'll just go do that as
2: mm.
1: you know go into that but i wouldn't say competing too much i generally like to compete two to three times a year uh which which i i think that's fine two to three times a year that's that's usually what i'm trying to do
0: mm. Okay, yeah, no, I just wonder because like I do see a lot of people, um, you know, competing three, sometimes even, I don't know, four, but like just quite a lot and they seem to oh, like now I need to like, I'm going to have a huge off season now and it's like sort of a mental and physical burnout, c- kind of like what you just spoke about, um, just from continuously beating yourself up and like I've spoken about it before just because prep is so like, yeah, physically draining, but mentally I don't know about for everyone, but like for me, it's a pretty hard time and not hard in that it's like, you know, it's fun. It's great, but it's, you know, it consumes your thoughts and like, it's hard to not get too attached and like, you know, emotional with your numbers and that sort of thing. And then when the off season finally rolls around, I'm like, oh, thank God, you know, like I can just relax and train in the morning or do this and like not have a big meal before I train and all of that. And it's such a relief and such a nice difference after like eight weeks of
2: prep
1: exactly i 100 percent agree with that Mm. i'd say it's more mentally than physically draining i always say you know once you start peaking for me it's a love-hate relationship Mm. because you're loving the numbers you're hitting from the work you put in before but then you're like you get to a point you're like god man i just want this to be over with you know Mm.
0: yeah absolutely i was you know you like when you you know you have a meet coming up and prep is coming up you're like oh you know like i can't wait to start prepping and then the first few weeks of prep are really fun and then it starts to get a little old and then you get to the end and, and you just want the last singles to be done with. And by that, by my by my squat single, I was like, man, I just want to get on the platform, get it done and go home. I was done with my body feeling beat up and like just tired all the time. I had no energy for anything else. And um, yeah, so that's, I, I usually, you know, I only compete once or maybe twice. I'm twice this year for the first time, but yeah, it's I can imagine three times it'd be pretty rough
1: oh yeah it can be because it's not even half the time that the turnaround is so quick because they're one of those minutes the turnaround is gonna be pretty quick but not too quick
2: mm.
1: but usually something that I've've messed up doing is I've chosen my meat for 20 weeks later mm. so I'm I already have that meat in mind I'm like all right prepping for this prepping for this and it's I just did away with that just because it's it's really drained me, and that was what kind of the burnout was from too.
0: Mm. What just looking too far down the line and not sort of thinking about right now is that what it was?
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like meat wise, like getting like you said emotionally attached to the numbers. I was mm. getting too emotionally attached to numbers that it was, and that's that something that I was you know going too heavy, not being a freaking idiot about too. Mm. That's what was causing me that as well.
0: Mm. And so now swapping to the USAPL obviously I saw you start training on the stiff bar. Um I'm not good with pounds, but when you swap over who is going to be your competition uh in what class what in kilos what class will you be in?
1: Uh the 83 kg. The 83. So, okay. So mm. there's Liam, which Liam, I know uh, Alex Adore. Aiden. There's another guy, what is it? Yeah, Aiden. Yeah. I think he – is he 20? Is he 20 yet? Uh,
0: I think he's still 19.
1: Is he? Mm. Yeah, I forgot about Aiden. Um, there's another guy I seen the other day. Seth uh, – Dasuki? something. Yeah, that's exactly who it is. Yeah. He has some stupid numbers. Yeah. And uh, there's probably a couple more I'm missing. But, I mean, they're they're stronger than I am, but that's, that's just going to cause me to be better and be smarter about my training.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, um, how old are you?
1: Nineteen. Nineteen. Okay, I so twenty until next year.
0: Yeah, so like, I think that's roughly the age of everyone that you just um, mentioned. And like, uh, if you if you are sort of having this revelation, I need to step off the gas a little bit, and like, you're obviously thinking about taking care of your body a little bit more. Then you, know, I mean, who knows what what will happen in the next couple of years. Um, was swapping to the USAPL something that you just sort of held off on? And like, how come it took you like all of those meets to think, okay, like it's time to swap over.
1: You know, I, honestly, I don't know. Uh, here in my state, I live in, I'm from West Virginia here and there is like USAPL, there is like no populational lifters here. Like it's non-existent. I think they do. There's one USAPL meet a year here in my state so i was never like drawn drawn to go that route but i don't know what finally hit me i wish i would have did a whole lot sooner but finally i was like i was like man i I just i'm just tired of this i need like an actual like sport setting you know because the usapl with the ipf the way they do that is like a true sport setting
0: Mm. yeah it's like a lot more put together hey exactly Mm. now um so your next meet in the USAPL, do you have it lined up?
1: I do not. Uh, I kind of glanced at them last night or the night before, just glancing at them, but I haven't like truly selected one mm. yet. And it'll be later in the year, though. Mm.
0: And what about the transition for you? Like, it's obviously a big difference in equipment. So you would have come from, I assume, squat bar and then obviously deadlift bar. What's the transition been like to the stiff bar? Because I know for a lot of people, uh, it's it's quite a big. A quite a big deal and a change in changing their technique
1: yeah so uh my sumo my sumo i'm not i'm not gonna say it's terrible but i'm not gonna say it's good either i pull kind of like a conventional soft sumo which i'm working on i'm working on it every week trying to get better at it um the squat bar the only time because i never train with a squat bar except meat day mm. i'm i'm not like a real big fan of it i mean it's it's just different because it's so thick and so mm. heavy and the weight is, like, so farther away from me mm. that you're like, well, that's kind of... just kind of awkward compared to... I'm usually trained on Ohio power bar squatting.
2: Mm.
0: That's exactly the same thing with me. I would I would prep at all... The whole time at home or, like, at a commercial gym and then you go and put the squat bar on meat day and it just, like, kills your upper back and, like... Oh, yeah. For bench as well, like you sort of think like oh it only affects squats because of like it's a squat bar obviously but man benching and trying to arch after squatting on the squat bar is insane like it just ruins your shoulders it ruins like any any thoracic extension i had is just like feels just dead and then obviously elbows and wrists as well from trying to wrap it back around the bar it was it, it like it didn't affect my squat if if anything it was good for my squat because I'd gone from like a kind of bendy bar to a really stiff bar. But man, for the bench, it just tore me apart. I felt like, I, I honestly felt like I'd been in a fight after squats. Like I'd been just punched everywhere. It just was insane the first time I did it.
1: Yeah, that's so my last meet, that's how it was. I hit like, uh hit my first 315 like a week and a half out from the meet I did last minute. Um, So after I got done with squats in that meet, I was like, oh, my gosh, Mm. man, my pecs. Because I have, like, my thoracic extension is trash. Like, it is Mm. terrible. Just complete trash. So, my Mm. pecs flare up a lot and all that. So, I got done from squats and went to bench. And I was, like, getting the bar down. I was, like, I got a stinking bench shirt on. I was, like, dude, what the heck? (laughs) Like, I had, like, two, I want to say it was, like, 296 i'm not sure what that is in kg uh it's like 130 it kilos a, yeah so like it was like see, it was like 10 kilos less than i've hit for like an RP 8 the week before that
2: mm.
0: oh yeah man it's like people people don't because people lots of people haven't used one so it's just like oh it's squat bar it's you know doesn't but like it affects you the whole time and um for me because of the thoracic extension and stuff i don't know the science exactly behind it but from squatting with it and then deadlifting and obviously like my upper back rounding in the deadlift it just just taxed me so hard to like to just hold the squat bar and then arch and then round my back in the deadlift it was just knocking me around like i was exhausted i'm trying to i'm next prep i do i'm gonna try to like get on a squat bar as much as i can but i mean yeah it's 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 um it's a killer if you haven't used a squat bar and you're gonna prep and uh compete with one i would absolutely recommend going to a gym if you can try to get your hands on a squat bar i know you know people talk about like training to comp standards but like don't think that the transition from power bar to squat bar is going to be as easy as it sounds it's it's uh, it's only 10 mil thicker but it feels it feels like 10 kilos difference it's it's rough um i like i mean like some people complain about it and that's the thing i think it's i think it's not too bad. Like you just got to, you just got to get used to it. Like I, I, I'm thinking about swapping back to the IPF in the, in the near future as well. Um, when I learn how to deadlift and, and getting off the squat bar is something that does excite me because I know my bench will be better, but at the end of the day, like bench only adds so much to your total. It it might be five kilos difference, two and a half kilos difference. Whereas the squat might be 10 kilos difference. And if, if you're better on the squat bar, um, it's going to be, A lot better for your total than being able to arch a little bit better in the bench press. So it's like, yeah, it might hurt the ego a little bit um, to to not bench as well in competition as you can in the in the home gym. But you know, you got to do it for the total, not for the not for Instagram, but do it for the total instead. Um, Yeah, yeah. I
1: always say bench is bench.
0: Yeah, a lot of people like a lot of people disregard bench because it's the one that's going to contribute like least to your total. And they, like, you know, sort of, neg- like, I, I don't want to use the word neglect, but, like, it does seem like some people neglect it. But, I mean, look at look at um, Russ and Sean Noriega. It's going to be the difference between first oh, gosh. and second. And, and, like, and obviously, yeah. that's, that's not a great example of because I'm not saying Russ neglects it. But that's an example of, like, what it can do if you really pay a lot of attention to it. Like, t- to some degree, it can be between first and second. And I don't know, people People were like, oh, bench is my least favorite lift. Man, bench was is bench my favorite lift. When I got into lifting, it was all I did. We just benched three times a week and we didn't squat or deadlift. Yeah. And that's why my my numbers are a little bit, uh, you know, disproportionate. But yeah, man, I love benching.
1: That's actually uh, how I got started was I'd go with my dad to the gym like every weekend and I'd just bench. Mm. Bench once a week when I was mm. in seventh middle school so that's all i did was bench so my bench what used to be my strongest lift i think i can't remember it was like it was i can't remember what i had but it was like pretty good for my age and weight mm. back when i was a little anorexic dude mm. but uh and then definitely was it i ended up separating my ac joint i heard it in football and then I'd go into the gym and bench, 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 and it made it worse, so that put me back for a while. Mm. But here here this year, my bench has made huge, huge strides that mm. has made my total go up tr- tremendous. I probably my bench, so I, when I competed in September, I benched 284. I'm not sure what that is in kg. Um, about
0: 120 20 kilos, I think. Two reds.
1: Yeah, yeah, Mm. two reds and I think probably two reds and two and a half, two and a half kg plate, Um, and then here, it's been, here in March, I hit 335, so, Mm. and that was just from a technique switch up, so I changed my whole technique, I scratched what I was doing before, started a new technique, and it was just like week after week, it was just blowing up, I was Mm. just like, holy crap.
0: What, what was the, what were the changes that you made?
1: So before, I don't even, before I just, kind of, I'd get like a little bit arch, kind of trash leg drive, just kind of muscle on the weight up. So I seen like Alex Ador and Sean Noriega, all those guys, like their bench set up where they'd have their butt off the bench. I don't know what to really, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. There, so hand,
0: hands and feet in place first. And then, get your thoracic in exactly. place and then bum goes down last yeah
1: yeah and uh creating your arch with your leg drive. and i did it and first couple of times it was a little awkward and then i started getting some smaller cues to fix it and it just it helped my bench tremendous mm. something that i never would have realized like because i would get unrack the weight get set and then drop their butt mm. I, when I first started doing it, I was dropping my butt just, like, fast, so I was sinking into the bench and losing probably, like, half an inch of distance mm. by my hip sinking into the bench, mm. so I started uh, dropping my hips slow, super slow, 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 and then as soon as I feel the bench touch my butt, stop. Yeah. That no way I'm not sinking down in it, but. But that whole setup helped my bench tremendously this year so far.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, I I do see like, and the, the, the technique you used to use where it's like you, like they slide up the bench, right? And then they're like kind of too far up and then they bring themselves like down the bench forward and um, get into the arch that way. But I think using the, like you mentioned, like Sean, and you get your feet in place and then you get your hands in place and then you adjust between the two, I think it's, and it's obviously worked for you, but I think it's better like on average because the way I see it, like your feet are in the right spot, you get your hands in the right spot and then you move between the two points of contact. Whereas if you do it the other way, like how you used to bench and you're too far up the bench and you like bring yourself down and you know how people like they bring themselves up and then put it down and that sort of thing, then you're like... you're using like you're essentially using one point of contact because your feet probably aren't in the right spot and then you got to move your feet and then you got to try to like hold that stability um but i think sliding up the bench if you don't if you're listening and you like haven't tried the the like the slide i guess you can call it yeah give it a go like Mm -hmm. plant your hands plant your feet um you know depress your scaps whatever slide up the bench the sliding with the leg drive is just how i get into it like i don't have great thoracic mobility either oh yeah but I can get into like a decent arch like for my size because and I don't even like leg drivers, you know, I just I, I, I heard a cue from um, Kilo Pete. It was just to push through your big toe because he had an issue with his bum coming up and, and I think he was given to him and you just push through your big toe. It helped with your keep your bum down and I just use that to create that extension. And like I'm not very mobile. People ask me like, how did you, you know, and I'm just like, man, I, I, I'm not mobile. My thoracic is not mobile. I just, yeah. I just use this setup and I just try to warm up my back as best I can. Um, but one thing I found actually helped heaps with my squat is I've been, I've been benching like on its primary day, right. And recently I swapped to have a squat bench, uh, session on a Saturday with just some singles. And when I bench after squatting, my arch is way better and it just, I can only put it down to, um, the fact that the bar is pushing me into thoracic ex- extension when I do low bar. And the other one was that, um, getting my hands behind the bar is stretching my chest, which is probably allowing my back to extend more. And, and uh, like, I'm going to have to go back eventually to benching without squats. And so I'm going to try to implement that same thing, like some thoracic extension drills, like, you know, like Z press, um, mm-hmm. And then my, and just stretching my pecs as much as I can because it just allowed me to get into such a better position, and I'm you know tired, but like the positioning is better, which is which is good. So I'm gonna have to you know try to recreate that under different circumstances. But yeah, if you're listening and you haven't tried that other setup, give it a go because like like Trey said, it helped. It helps heaps. Um, so the transition between sorry, I went off on a bit of a tangent there. The transition between the two, um, I like because I've done that transition it can be rough and it's like at first it's really weird how did you go when when you started that
1: uh when i first started i just kind of went with the flow i was it was uh it was after that meet i did and i get september what was it? no no i can't remember when i started but when i first started i just kind of went with the flow and learned mm. as i went and the main thing that i just took away when i started it i was like just just get better at it each time practice these cues get it down pat mm. and it, it's helped a lot mm. but yeah like you was talking about thoracic extension my the thoracic mobility extension is terrible and something that i've actually started implementing to me and my clients is a uh, daily homework mm. so uh Whatever whatever their needs are for mobility, they'll do it, and you do it every day. If you want to see the results from, you do it every day. So something I start doing for myself, I do a lot of uh, wall slides, um, or thoracic extension, um, T spine rotations, just stuff like that, trying to trying to get my T spine mobility better.
0: Mm, if I ever need a mobility thing or a drill, I just go on the Dawson Wyndham's page and just go to any of his story highlights. Um, that dude's mobility for his size is crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, his, I think his bench warm up has been one that I've used like subconsciously used it for months now where I saw it originally on his page. Um, and it's just super helpful. Like, yeah, the T-spine rotation, um, some of the lat activation drills, some of the, uh, like shoulder revolution ones he does for the rotator cuff, all that sort of thing. It just makes you feel so much better before bench, um, but yeah, if you need a good bench warm up, Dawson Winners your man, go and check his story. Uh Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, he He's, he's jack too. Yeah, Stupid oh man, he's jacked.
0: Yeah, absolutely dude. I don't know. I don't know if he's natural or not. I no idea, but he is huge. There's no way. Uh, you don't think? Yeah, well, I don't know. He's friends with Shane Hunt, so I just uh, I don't know yeah. what what's going on, but um yeah, the dude I I love watching his training. He's you might have seen he had that um knee injury a while back during sumo i can't remember mm-hmm. which ligament or whatever it was but
1: i think it was a uh meniscus there is what it was because he was doing black pulls
0: when I yeah yeah exactly and and uh, i don't know if, if you guys listening uh, even know dawson but if you don't go check him out he hurt his knee like at the end of last year uh september or something and watching his recovery has just been crazy like he went from not walking uh, from you know this sumo block pull incident where his knee essentially just slipped a little, and he tore tore something. Uh, from barely walking to now, he's back squatting, you know whatever. Well over five hundred for reps, like yeah, and he had
1: like six forty or something. Yeah, I and it know. essentially
0: came back from the doctor saying like you would never. I'm pretty sure he said the doctor said he would never train like that again. Like he would never really be back to where he was, and it's like. I see it quite a little bit now. It's like the surgeon said this or the doctor said this and here I am doing this now. And it's like probably listen to your specialist, but it's not the be like what they say isn't the bit. Because yeah, exactly. usually they're not trained in, they don't have like field training in like strength sports, obviously they're doctors. So it's like, uh, but yeah, his tra- his transition back into normal training was like, super inspirational the dude works so hard and you can see how quickly it pays off like you said the daily mobility right he obviously does that but the whatever daily stuff he did for his knee he went from barely walking and the doctor said you will never do it again to six months later and he's like i think he's hitting prs again so like just crazy yeah, yeah. what what you can do when you like pay attention to your body and like just i guess he just did his research saw, saw someone good a physio whatever and it just Staying on top of it really helps.
1: In a segue that you mentioned earlier, I meant to meant to say it earlier. You was talking about people say train the comp standard, just train on this bar, train on those plates. Mm. That's something that I really I really don't have like here in our area. Like there's not a power lifting gym for at least three hours from my house. Fuck. Yeah. Is Man, America is so, so
0: big. It's so big. That's, I know. I could get halfway down the coast in three hours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and like, pa- like powerlifting here in my state, there's like, there's a good amount. Uh, the the biggest powerlifter here is Zach Myers. I don't know if you've seen him or not. But so, the, the name rings above He has the, he took Larry Wills two seventy five uh, all time total record.
2: Oh, okay. Here and he
1: lives there. in your state yeah uh, but uh like the population there's people here that lift but like it's not how do i put it it's just not like big like mm. like there's, so like i've been for the past five months now i've been trying to get with like fed different federations just to run meets here so i can get so i can help you know some of these power lifters because a lot of them here in the state all they're doing is non-sanctioned meets And I've been trying to get on with federation after federation just just to run some meets and Mm. you know and actually have sponsors and stuff ready to like help help with the prizes and whatnot, but but uh like like the one gym I train at, it's it's a fitness center. It's not it's really like a rec center. Like Mm. we have everything you need, but it's it's nothing special and the people that work out there freaking idiots it's just a bunch of old people walking around staring me down that's it funny story there was actually one guy um i was in the office my buddy was working i was just in there talking to him like in the middle while i was warming up and i've never even talked to this dude he comes in there he said you don't do anything today i said i'm sorry what he said i thought you was going to do something you brought that big gym bag up here i was like like, buddy what i was like all right so I, I went out there i think i had like 275 for a single on bench paused mm. it on my chest looked over like 13 down for like three seconds uh-huh. it, <laughs> then people, next thing he was gone
0: people just want to i don't know what it is people just can't shut up like they just like it's they're pretty ironic from someone who runs a podcast but it's like in public and stuff when you go up to someone you don't know like don't go up to someone you don't know in a gym don't yeah, exactly. unless it's for a positive reason don't do it if yes. I had if I had someone approach me in the gym it would not like I don't have the patience like outside of the gym and I especially don't have the patience in the gym for like for that sort of thing it hasn't okay. happened to me but man like you just don't do it I've seen like other stuff like oh. that and I, I don't know like the Evan Carden thing for example I I heard it's fake but you know the guy put his foot on the, dead, the deadlift while he was whatever that sort of thing man it's just like mind your own business it's a gym it's like you're all there for a similar reason just people just can't help but put their nose in other people's business
1: exactly it's and it it happens all the time at like my gym that Mm. i train at most of the time like there it is you're "You're gonna get hurt Mm. like there was one dude he made a comment one day ended up not saying anything because like i get i get pretty mad at you better than i used to be but he, he made the comment of, i was i was doing i can't remember what i was doing he was like he said uh let's ask his kids in 20 years uh what their dad's doing when he's in a wheelchair yeah I was like dude I, I don't even know you like yeah that's like, that's
0: like the attitude that like your parents have when you first get into lifting and they're worried about your back exactly. like my mom always says exactly. to me still like oh i don't you know I want you to hurt your back it's like yeah i might but I'm trying my hardest. I'm trying my hardest not to. I don't plan on hurting my back. Um, yeah, man. I there's a commercial gym like two minutes down the road from me. Commercial, like just like you said, rec center essentially. And I just don't even want to. Like, I need the machines. I'd love to go and do like a secondary leg day there, but I just can't bring myself to go there because, like, you know, you get your bag out, if you get your belt, your sleeves, whatever, and it's like, if you don't train the same as normal people in a commercial gym. They just stare at you, and oh, yeah. especially old people, man. I I remember training there years ago. Even when I was like dumbbell pressing like thirty-seven kilos. I don't know what that is in pounds, um, but you know, less than a hundred pound dumbbell press. And people just and that's not impressive, right? I remember at the time it was good for me, but looking back, it was nothing. And it's like, even then, people would stare at me pressing that. So I was like, I cannot imagine going back then now. Just because yeah, I can't... Going from a home gym where nobody looks at you to potentially being watched in a commercial gym. And I'm not trying to sound cocky, but man, I just cannot go back and do it. It feels like showing off. And I just do not want to... Yeah, I'm sacrificing the leg extension, hamstring curl, which would be super useful for me specifically because I just cannot bring myself to go and train around people of of a different mindset. And, and i understand like the distance yeah. thing i have a powerlifting gym closer than three hours um it could be an hour in traffic each way i just don't have the time to go you know oh, out yeah. of my You know, like the home gym is good and i just don't have the energy or time to go potentially that far you know just to train something i could do at home
1: And like uh me and a buddy of mine we we've created a home gym it's like essentially like a gym that's got basically everything you need we've bought stuff over the past year like since since uh quarantine last year so we have a power rack um income bench i bought a full set of the ghost Kilo plates like a full set of them Mm. yeah Uh, when you
0: said you had a commercial gym i saw that and i was like oh because i remember you training on kilos but that's your is that the one with the white interior or is that yeah yeah okay yeah because i wondered if that was yours
1: Yeah, we've hung banners up. We have cable flies. We have, like, dumbbells up to, like, 40s. Mm. You know, basically everything that you need, which I usually try. Most of the time, I try and squat and deadlift there if I can. The bench there that we have is a fat pad, but, like, it's so high. Like, I don't know what – if they made it, like – Wrong. Bigger by accident, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, like, my feet – I can't be flat foot on – the bench like that's how high it is like i think it's three and a half inches higher than a comp standard bench
0: damn yeah Yeah. as a as a home gym owner i understand and i can imagine that having two people contributing to one home gym is because i'm trying to praise it phrase it the stuff i have is great but it's almost enough for me to not want anything else like i want a belt squat like you know we've got one here for under a thousand and i'd love to get it i don't have the room but that's not the point i'd imagine two people paying is like two people would be just enough stuff where you're like this is perfect because i got the combo rack i got a couple of bars you know a couple specialty and a lap pull down but i'm like if i had one more person paying for stuff here it would be the perfect home gym and if so like you guys decide to go in together that's are you going to get more stuff like that sounds like a great idea
1: uh i I think we are i think he's wanting to buy like a monolith next with his and then uh and then sell his power rack and get a comp bench so and then dumbbells dumbbells is the main thing i mean we got mm. cable flies all right so we got a cable fly and a stair stepper mm. which i don't use this air stepper because fuck cardio but mm. uh we got the how much we got those two together for five hundred dollars
0: Damn, that's a good deal. In good
1: condition, yeah. yeah. It was a deal,
0: yeah. There's and then a...
1: I got a, uh, I got a back row, a seated row, and an income bench for five hundred as well.
0: Man, how do you get onto these deals? Is this just through like the local marketplace, like online marketplaces?
1: Yeah, on Facebook. Mm. So like, there's like a couple, couple different pages I'm on. They'll post them up, and I'll see them.
0: And yeah, just top on it. yeah we um i had the same sort of thing except because powerlifting is not big here like it is in america so there's not a lot of spare equipment like it's very rare you'd come across a powerlifting piece on a marketplace like you got to go to a store essentially otherwise they don't like nobody's selling powerlifting equipment it's not that big yet um man now one of the things and you may have seen it um the other day, I posted about straps and I was going to go back to this before but we <laughs> kept going. Yeah. Um, you, I've seen you using straps so I wanted to get your opinion. Uh, I, I made a post about the people missing their third deadlifts um, and the percentages were so high, it was like 40% missed their third deadlifts and in the post, I clarified that of course, top level lifters or people trying to place will pull for the win and you know, often miss because they're trying to pull an extra kilo, extra two kilos. That's not who I was talking about. Uh, I wanted to get your opinion on young, not young lifters who are not competitive, uh, pulling ridiculous stuff for their thirds, and the usage of straps in training and its effect on that sort of thing. Because I, my theory was that there are lifters um, who, not competitive lifters, not top five lifters, you know, good lifters, just not gonna place, right? They're not gonna podium, and these lifters use straps however much you know, however much they yeah, show on it Year-round. yeah, Exactly, year-round. You know, I know Instagram isn't everything that people do, um, but you can make assumptions and then they go for their third and they miss. And the third is obviously the hardest lift of the day, but I think it comes back to using straps in the off-season for a lot of people because grip, like I said in the post, grip is the first thing that will fatigue. Like if you're... If you're, you know, after bench, you'll probably notice straight away that grip is the first thing that will be fatigued on the day. Like you'll go to warm up and you're like, oh man, like this feels a little heavier in my hands. Um, Now you use training and uh, you use straps in training and I want to know how you regulate that and how you stop it from being a detriment to you on the platform.
1: So uh, the only time I really ever use straps, I hate pulling my straps, my like, I, I hate it. My setup's different. They just pulls feel worse. I, I hate straps in general. Mm. So, the only time I, I'll, I'll add them in will be if I rip my hand, if I rip a callus, or if I have a partial rip, mm. and it, I can see it's going to be major. That way, I don't have a major torn callus, and then I have to use straps for three weeks. So, like when I pulled that 650 for two with straps, um, I actually tried. I actually tried to set before without straps because I never use them unless I have to, like I said. So I pulled one, it moved good, started pulling the other, and my hand ripped Mm. from a callus. So I threw straps on, pulled it again. Now, sometimes, like, back down work, if back down work is, like, six to sevens, if I'm in that range, then I'll definitely throw straps on. Mm. But I, I, I say if you if you want to get your grip stronger I, I get like your grip fatigue is the one thing that fatigues but if you want to get it stronger what what do you have to do pull without straps that's that's just my opinion on it mm.
0: okay yeah so you you're on the side that you throw them on if you have to uh or in the high rep range back downs i yeah and i can understand so my point of view is that i've never torn a callus right so, I pulled 255. So, I I can... At right now, I could maybe pull 600. Like, I'm getting pretty close. So, I'm thinking either I have really tough hands and and have never torn a callus or the weight just isn't... Like, I'm just not at that stage yet where um, it starts to tear your hands up. I don't know which one it is. I don't want to sound stupid uh, because it's the second one. But... Like, I imagine for some people, like, I've seen some big dudes who just never wear straps and their hands are always fucked. Like, they're just all, you know. And then I see some other guys who just seem to wear straps for everything, even when their hands are in good condition. And I just wonder, like, why it has to be, like, an ego thing. It has to be, like, oh, I can pull more. I can get a more upright position if i you know because you know how people let it let the straps sit in their fingertips so like they're barely holding the bar
1: put their hands like closer apart on the smooth part Yeah. yeah
0: yeah so it's like i imagine it has to be an ego thing if it's just consistently using straps all the time and obviously there's hook grip where your thumb rips and that sort of thing so you know if you're pulling a hook And they just do one set with hook and then the rest with straps. Like that's whatever. That's a whole different thing. But I'm talking about mixed grip pullers who just use it all the time. And I can imagine these are the people that go and miss their thirds on the day. And it's like, oh, I didn't have the day that I wanted, blah, blah, blah. When you look back, they use straps the whole time. And I just can't, I cannot imagine what the reasoning is behind it. Using it, all your top sets all the time. It has to be, like, right, it has to be an ego thing for Instagram.
1: Oh, it has to. It yeah. has to. That or, like, I notice sometimes, you've probably noticed it too, you'll get to your back downs and your hands will start burning. Mm. And they're, they're probably like, oh, i got to throw my straps on. Mm. Uh, but I, I, something that I've noticed too is uh, when I pull on the Ohio power bar, that my hands don't rip as easy. Like, after my session, they'll be completely fine. But on the deadlift bar, it, they just get wrecked.
0: Well, like, an, well, as you were saying that, I was thinking um, it would, from the deadlift bar, probably be just because the bar is moving a little bit in your hand. like It's bending as you pick it up. So there's got to be some movement in your hand, whereas the stiff bar probably doesn't. Uh, it could also be the, the, the width of the bar. I know the deadlift bar is thinner but and I, like you just said what the one thing i really noticed about my hands like i've never i've never torn a callus but cuz i don't have to do much you know i can't handle much volume i don't have to do many back down sets but one thing i did notice was um squatting after deadlifting uh like the next day or whatever it was i would go to grab the bar for squats and my hands would just be just felt like they're in ruins just like like say i had my primary deadlifts and my secondary squats if i deadlift heavy and then go to squat when I like actually holding the bar, it just feels like my hands are on fire. And I guess that's the only time I've ever felt like the effects, I guess with my hands, maybe, maybe I've just got lucky with like tougher skin or something. I don't know. But yeah, man, grabbing the bar and I just, just felt like, honestly, felt like my hands were going to f- just on fire and the skin was just going to rip off. It was just te- absolutely terrible time. Um, now I, you, you probably did see, I was going to ask you about um, the guy, Sisterino, on the, the hack squad. I've seen about a million memes a day since since it happened. Yeah. Um, Jim Sells and that posting, just shit posting him. I wanted to talk to you about it, get your opinion. I also wanted to just talk about it. I know I already spoke about it on the IGTV, but um, he threw a tantrum, what do you think about it?
1: I actually, I met him at the Arnold one year. I, I like I spoke to him briefly. Mm. Um, super nice guy, but I don't, I don't even know how he heard them because, like, if I'm zoned in on a set, like actually going as hard as he was, I don't hear people laughing and mm. conversations. So I don't, I don't know how if he was like truly focused. I don't know how he was really
2: mm.
1: paying attention to them, anyways. You know.
0: Mm people yeah people like him talk about like mindset and stuff and like how it's everything and this and that and it's like that translates into the gym if you're if you're a mid like hack squat is not an easy exercise it's not like you're doing bicep no. curls hack squat is a hard exercise and he was quote training very hard or whatever he said like pushing himself for him to get so upset over something that wasn't even happening it was like a meter or two away from him and yeah yeah fairly yeah. like granted they did walk in front of his set and it's not something i would probably do i try to avoid it or go around just just courtesy but like say someone did walk in front of me i don't think i would react like that like he yeah I, people were talking I, about I like trend ra-
1: after the fact.
0: yeah Oh yeah, man. I was like, the fact that he did it mid-set just makes it even crazier. I guess that's when he was angry. But like, you'd think after the set, you just go up and be like, "Hey guys, can you just like not? Um, can you not walk in front of me again while I'm in my set?" Which is fair, like because it is a, like you, everyone has their own space in the gym, yeah. it's a commercial gym. But like, man, to get up mid-set and to throw a tantrum, and he, I I put him in my IGT video and I tagged him to respond, and um, I didn't share this, but he in my DMs he just said done like he like re- like refuted everything that i said but in the comments all he said was go and watch my my IGT video uh, IGTV video whatever and i don't know if you've seen it but it was a 89 minute video where the guy who did it walks in front of him at the end uh, no sorry the guy who walked in front of him joins at the end and And obviously, I didn't watch it because I don't have 89 minutes, but apparently, from what I was told, um, he joins at the end of the video and this guy, the the one who walked in front, essentially just, like, helps him apologize, like, sort of almost felt like scripted, kind of preemptive, organized conversation where he made himself out to be the bad guy and to let guy off and sort of but man just the tan and then what really got to I me even
1: post it. Why post it?
0: that's what I was just about to say fair like I said if you react really poorly to something fair enough like some people can't control their temper he's obviously taking stuff I don't know if that makes your temper worse I've heard it does but to post it on Instagram as well and expecting some sort of I guess positive feedback from other people. I don't know what what he could have been expecting. Like the bodybuilding industry and the powerlifting industry, there's like people are not afraid to give their opinion. So he knew yeah. from the start he was there was gonna be. I, I assume he posted it for like the algorithm, essentially, just to just you know, because it makes him look really bad.
1: Yeah, it makes him look tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, it just makes no him. Reason. Well, I thought it was funny yeah. because he got up to go up to those guys, and they were like so much taller than him, and they weren't fussed by know. it. They were just standing there like, "What? What are you like? What are you doing?" They just they sort of were like, kind of embarrassed, but they didn't seem intimidated at all, and they kind of just like, okay, whatever. Yeah, just, just
1: just put your headphones on and shut up. Dude. Yeah,
0: and and he was um, and then he was in the comment section on meme pages. And he was defending himself and getting salty in the comment section and like one of the ones posted. He's like, this okay, this is the worst meme posted yet. And then just like just like fifty comments were just like all this bullshit about like the like the broken love hearts and stuff, just like replying to him because they just the 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 followers of those pages just are like a cult in the way they comment stuff. But (laughs) yeah, they just got he just got ripped to shreds in every comment section. I think you you know he tried to defend himself. You'd think at this by this point he would just be like, "Okay, guys, I'm sorry. Like, I was. I can see I was wrong." Yeah. How many people have to tell him before he is like, oh, "Okay, I did the wrong thing"?
1: Especially, he's got. I think he's got like almost four hundred thousand followers, mm. and here he is commenting on probably like five thousand follower main pages. Like, come on, man.
0: Yeah. Well, he's obviously insecure. He's obviously like embarrassed and trying to save face and like defend himself. Like, as you would, but he's... Yeah. It's been... it's been Just say
1: sorry and let it go.
0: If he... Like, people can't be the bigger person, but if he just admitted that he was wrong, like, I would have... I would respect him a little bit if he was like, okay, I did the wrong thing. I can see, like, uh, you know, I was just angry, whatever. Man, he's just trying to defend himself. The more he's just digging a hole, the more he does it, he's just digging a hole. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he, he was not... Uh, interacting with anyone in a positive or even sensible manner he was just like listen to my video listen to my video it's like no provide some reasoning and like actually have a conversation with someone about it instead of us watching a shitty video
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah incredible
0: yeah i mean who has 90 minutes to go and listen to a guy sister Eno,
1: explain a two minutes a two-minute story
0: yeah exactly i mean the video says it all it's the whole explanation it's very clearly from start to finish what happened there's nothing behind the scenes that went oh, on Oh yeah it was
1: yeah it must be as far as a date yeah oh. when he went to bed
0: yeah i mean just incredible behavior um one of the one of the things i wanted to talk to you about and one of the notes i had um was now obviously you're a sumo puller uh, i want to know like along the way and now obviously you have a quite a nice sumo and you said before kind of conventional style, I can only assume you meant, uh, not wedging, pulling slack as good as you could. That's what, that was my guess. Um, yeah, things, things you've learned along the way with sumo. Um, and, and if you could go back to the start, what would you do differently?
1: So when I was 16, I pulled, I was 16, 165 I pulled five forty-five conventional. And, uh, My I I quit – I actually started lifting to play football and ended up quitting football to lift. But I ended up playing my senior year. And when I started sumo, it's been about a year ago now, when I was playing football, I had a hip pointer.
2: Mm.
1: And uh, conventional would hurt it, but sumo wouldn't. So that's when I started training sumo. My sumo got super strong. But what I would say that's helped me out a lot, that I wish I knew sooner – was a uh, thoracic extension that's everything in a pool um getting wedged into the bar properly i mean obviously everybody's pulls are not look the same you gotta you gotta find the cues that work for you but uh something that i found here recently that's helped me out a lot is leg pressing the floor thinking of the floor like a leg press that is mm. that has really helped my pulls out a lot
2: mm.
0: yeah i've never really I'm never really experimented with sumo just because it's not for me, but I do hear the leg press one a lot and like um, I've spoken to a couple of people who do pull sumo. Kind of relaxing, not relaxing, but kind of relaxing your arms into like in the cue long arms is one that I yeah. hear a lot and has like worked for a lot of people where you're sort of, all the tension is created in your, in like obviously the wedge and your feet, but the upper body is quite relaxed, and it's just like it's the the consequence of the rest of your body being wedged and super tight is being able to relax your upper back essentially. But, but I've yeah, never, yeah, the long
1: arms cue mm. has, has helped a lot. I've actually, I think, I think Aiden made a post about it a while mm. ago, yeah, I believe so, talking about it. And uh, they, they mentioned it in uh, Sean Noriega's hook group. Him and Johnny Candido's hook grip video about internally rotating my elbows before the pull, which initially is the long arms skew. Mm.
0: Yeah, he, um, I haven't actually watched that video because I'm not a hook gripper, but yeah, the I've, even f- I've
1: tried it, I can't.
0: It's painful, hey?
1: Yeah, yeah, Terrible. even, yeah, no, Terrible. it's
0: for me, like, like I said, I got tough hands, but I tried to, I can't do hook grip, so maybe. There's a downfall, whatever, but, like, man, I could not. It just feels like my thumb is going to explode. I know it's. I know that's how it feels for everybody, but I just couldn't. <laughs> I got, like, a low pain tolerance, so there was no way I was going to be pulling hook. Uh, I only did it to, like, 120 kilos. Like, I didn't even, like, oh, no, like, three reds. I did, like, 170, and I was like, no, nah, this is too painful. And I just stopped. Um, but, yeah, man, even, even for conventional, the long arms cue is a good one. Like I found, and especially with someone with like shitty deadlift leverages, trying to like keep your arms tight and your shoulders tight and like de- like depressed only makes the range of motion bigger. And so, like, I started relaxing my upper back, started like dropping, like protecting my shoulders essentially, dropping my arms as low as I can. You can cut a couple of inches out, and it's like created a better hinge, like a starting position for me and a hinge. Oh, and uh, another thing was that have you seen Ben? You know Ben Yanes.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm actually uh, just talking to him. I'm actually about to start working with him.
0: Oh, awesome. Well, there you go. Well, um, his deadlift cue, and I said it in one of the videos before, but his deadlift cue where you put your hands on your hips uh, onto the anterior superior iliac spine, which is like this little bony part, uh, just yeah. like I guess just above where your shorts are for everyone who doesn't know. Um, you put it there. You find it while you're sitting, all right? And then you keep your hands there and whatever. And when you go to do a deadlift, a conventional, you just keep your hands there and you hinge, flex, hip flexion until you can feel it stick out. And he's like, and then pull from that position. And when I did it, I was like, oh yeah, that looks really good, um, whatever. And I forgot about it. And then I actually tried it and it's super helpful. Like finding the right position to hinge from is hard. I don't really know how to do it yet. But yeah, the that trick- oh,
1: yeah, that- that actually brings up that I forgot that I learned, I guess, a couple months ago, and I'm still trying to get it down pat, is uh, instead of just like bending straight over to grab the bar, RDL your hips back, think of like an RDL, then once you get to the bar with those long arms, then you start to wedge.
2: Yeah.
0: So I've done the thing where like I like you just mentioned, you kind of set your hips in an RDL, grab the bar, and then obviously bend, drop your knees down and wedge in. But yeah, create, if you can like find tension on the way down, at least for me, I'm not a great conventional deadlifter, but if you can find tension on the way down uh, in your hamstrings and then drop them down, it just works better for me instead of like coming from no tension and just getting into the position right, at, right away. I like create the tension because my hamstrings do not want to, they don't want to do an RDL. So, when I grab the yeah. bar in an rdl then bend the knees it's yeah it's worked really well for me
1: do you have uh do you have dumbbells in your home gym
0: i have up to um like a hundred pound dumbbells yeah
1: yeah you, you won't meet anything you'll have to try these out uh you might have already did have you try, ever tried staggered rdls with a dumbbell
0: i've seen them and my girlfriend does them but i have not used them
1: dude they are brutal Mm. absolutely brutal
0: for just as an accessory or is it something that you do to like warm up
1: uh i do it as an accessory so like before a lot of times my hamstrings would like get locked up and knotted up and i was uh, was, i'd do hamstring curls i'd do barbell rdls
2: Mm.
1: none would help they'd still lock up and knot up so i tried these uh the staggered rdls one leg rdls without a lot of people raise that back leg up when they do it, but I keep mine on the ground and yep. keep the dumbbell in the opposite hand. Yeah, but it has helped my hamstring strength and hamstring flexibility tremendously.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, um, I've seen it, and I've seen, I've seen people do it with the leg up, and I saw a coach that I respect say to keep the leg down because there's no reason to bring it up. Is what I've heard. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've got terrible hamstring. I know it's. I know. It's it's more like a weakness, hamstring weakness that is causing the yeah. lack of flexibility. So I guess I could just say my hamstrings are weak. Maybe I'll give it a go. I I get programmed RDLs, but like I can't really go heavy on them because it just taxes my deadlift way too much. So maybe I will swap to dumbbells. Um, even just dumbbell RDLs is probably a good idea. And then maybe yeah, that's try how to-
1: I am. Barbell RDLs just would take so much away. like barbell and stiff leg deadlifts would just take so much out of my deadlifts mm-hmm. that it wasn't even. It wasn't beneficial at all.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anything, man, anything with a barbell just kills me. Like, if I can do my SBD and then not touch a barbell again, perfect. Like, I just can't handle really any... My joints and my just... Like, just general fatigue, just get murdered by barbell stuff. Um, now, almost got to wrap up, man. But before we wrap up, I want to know um, a couple of things. If you could go back... And speak to yourself when you first start a powerlifting. I haven't, I haven't asked this before. I don't know why. If you could go back to the very start, what advice would you give yourself?
1: Start off in a USAPL, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. How come? It's just a better route, man. All I got. I, I don't, I don't know how to really put it. You
0: are you, you see, to the style of training.
1: Guys- The style of training and like just the just the sports setting because like if you go to the USAPL USPA route or whatever you're initially like there's no like sports setting you're just competing and that's and I think that's why I get I've been so emotionally attached to numbers because like I'm not like all right I'm training I gotta beat this guy at nationals I'm just Mm. going like all right, I, I got to hit this number. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just like there's nothing to chase but numbers in other federations.
0: Mm. That's what I'm in right now, and I understand exactly what you mean because there's not many 110-kilo um, teenagers because not many people are tall. Yeah. So it's like the average powerlifter is like 83 kilos or whatever. So in Australia, there isn't another teenager in my weight class not a single one and there's the sport's not that big we only have like five thousand people competing here but there's not anyone so i'm just chasing like a you know i'm just chasing a 400 pound bench or a 600 pound deadlift and it's like that's cool but what's pushing me to get there it's nothing you're just racing against yourself which is fine and mentally it's it's nice to not think about other people but like i would like to have someone and it's not that i'm just too strong it's just that there isn't any other people
1: exactly i know exactly what you mean because usapl like i said there is like alex Adore, all all those guys i mentioned like i don't want to say chase like yeah you're chasing them but at the same time like you're chasing yourself like mm-hmm. that's the best way to put it
0: mm-hmm. yeah they like they're just there it'd be cool to yeah. beat them it'd be cool to beat them yeah. they're there but like it's just at the end of the day it's it's still yeah, it's a co- yeah, and it's like something to like other than your own numbers, which is obviously the most important thing in your own progress, is something to aim for. So it's like this person, one of the things what what I have trouble with is like what I'm capable of. Like I'm not going to put a limit on myself ever with what I'm capable of, right? But it would be nice to know oh, this is what that other natural teenager my size, my category is doing. Oh, he pulled 300 at this. Maybe, you know, that's something that I can aim for. I'm just setting goals, being realistic in the short term. I really can't set long-term goals because I don't know what a 20-year-old or a 19-year-old 110-kilo dude can do naturally. There's not many even in in America that I know of. Like people at my height, my weight, my age, I don't really know of many. So it's like I don't know what to refer to because a lot of people who are um, my weight when you get over the 100 kilos it tends to be more in the untested federations like yeah. the 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 natural side of it is like mostly sub 100 kilos okay. so when i'm and
1: like go ahead go ahead
0: I'm no sorry. you go man
1: and like something that i was numbering up too uh you see like jamal browner um, john hack i think some others that's in the that's in the untested now but they came mm. from the tested usapl you yep. see, their training styles are different, and they they've they've been in it longer. Like a lot of times, these untested guys, like um, you probably Eric Lillybridge, he he's yes. from Australia. He, I think yes. he lives there now.
0: Yes, he does. He he was
1: everywhere when I was like first coming up. Like he was the man, and then boom, yeah. And then he comes up, and then boom, he's gone. And then I'll come up again. He's just on and off because the burnout is so high.
2: Mm.
0: Well, I guess, yeah, The with the natural, uh, like, thinking logically about it, when you take steroids, you can touch heavier weights, you're touching heavier weights, like, although things are proportionate, the closer you get yeah. to a 400 kilo squat or a 400 kilo deadlift, like, I'm pretty sure there's no studies to prove this, but recovery is going to take longer. Like, yeah. someone, if you deadlift what your max or Thor deadlifts his max, it's 100% for both of you, but is going to take longer to recover you know what i'm saying like i don't think there's any studies but i guess that's the same sort of so, thing with- uh,
1: i went to a seminar last weekend trevor jaffe super good seminar and mm-hmm. he actually talked about this he said who who is gonna who's it gonna take longer for to recover a 900 pound deadlifter or a deadlifter whose max is 405 mm-hmm. he said yeah that's both their maxes he said but the 900 pound is going to take longer because he said mm-hmm. you think also he said think of all the volume that they're adding up warming up to 900 pounds
0: yeah exactly yeah
1: like it's so much more volume
0: yeah it's i heaps. mean that's
1: probably hitting close to ten thousand pounds of volume warming up
0: well how many i guess you go up in a plate so you go 70 120 170 20 70 320 yeah there's like that many warm-ups where's the camera yeah there's heaps of warm-ups Way more than 405. I guess guess you could take smaller jumps, but yeah. Um, And I always think about like, yeah, you can make muscles stronger and you can make ligaments stronger and tendons and stuff. But what about bones and organs and like all the other things in your body that have a limit? Like we don't really know what the limit is for musculature, but we don't test the limits for like organs and pressure in your stomach and that sort of thing. We haven't really, as far as I know, there's not really a test. So, like, there is definitely a limit, and someone's going to get there one day, and someone's just going to ruin something inside their body because they've. They
1: they can study these things, but not each individual is the same. So, like, say you're taking, you're blasting trend Mm. 600, and I'm blasting trend 200 milligrams. Well, I mess around and die and you're not even affected by it just mm. because everybody's genetics are different. It's not affected by different. So the studies not really don't prove anything. It's actually going to do the complete opposite.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I imagine a lot of these guys, like you said, disappear from like just injury and like that's what we were alluding to. But the injury, I can imagine the injury rate as you get higher in kilos, it just increases. Like oh, just, yeah. just even if it's like we said proportionally the same amount of weight, you get up to a four four hundred plus squat. Like because I know Lily Bridge is up there. He trains south of me a couple of hours, uh, south of me. But yeah, you get up to like a four hundred. I think he got to, like four seventy recently, like this year or at yeah, like the end of last year.
1: Yeah, I think it was like a thousand, thousand something.
0: Mm.
1: And like, yeah, uh, do you follow uh, Andrew House? yes he just he squatted a thousand thirteen earlier at like 290 it's just crazy and he's another one of those guys he'll be he'll be you'll see him everywhere and then he will fall for a while
2: mm.
0: yeah and i guess because i know like i know of a couple of untested lifters and i've had conversations with them like to my knowledge and i forgive me because i know nothing about series they you hop off in the off season And like the weights drop all the way down and you work with like your quote natural capacity in the off season and then you hop on again and obviously the weights go up and it's just like, you know, just a change in weights. You just start taking, you train the same, but like the weights just change very quickly in prep. So to my knowledge, they spend most, most of the time in the off season where it's not impressive for them, like for them obviously. Um, yeah. And then they come back, hop on prep again and you see the good stuff. But I imagine there's a lot of rehab, boring stuff for big guys like that in the oh, off season yeah. that just would, they just don't post. Cause it's just like for them, it's not even worth it.
1: Yeah. It's gotta be depressing too. Cause like, I know like I get post meat depression where like mm-hmm. I do a meat and then it's like, it takes like yeah. a month probably to like rebound off that meat and start building yeah. again. And that's another reason I dropped out. It's because like, yeah, I was going to go compete, hit some PRs, Mm. but I'm not where I want to, I wasn't where I wanted to be at. So I was really just going to be setting myself back probably Mm. six weeks, you know, after peak and the meet week and then the rebound after the meet.
0: I don't think I was back to like 100% capacity for like six weeks because I had a week off. I had a week off and then I did five weeks volume. So yeah. No, four weeks. on. So, like, yeah, probably five weeks to back where I was like, okay, if I peaked again, I would hit those numbers again. But for those five weeks, I was like, even if I peaked right now, I could never hit those numbers. I just felt terrible. It just affects me a lot. I think some people can, like, bounce out. You know, like, some people bounce out of training, uh, out of a comp and, like, pull a deadlift single, like, post me. You know, a lot of people do that. I could never do that. I don't know how people uh, manage...
1: Ashton Roska, Roska, however mm. you say his last name, he did
0: it today. He, today, oh, I didn't. I haven't seen it.
1: He just did a meet. Yeah, he did a meet because you know he competed yesterday and then mm. he pulled eight oh four today, which he missed yesterday. Oh. Which he's just a freak though. So it's yeah. Like, yeah. And
0: I and I can understand like wanting to hit your deadlift that you missed, but man, like
1: he's got nights in four weeks, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand, like, the, the, the need to hit something that you missed. I haven't missed a third deadlift. So, like, I haven't had that sort of, like, post meet like, depression feeling that you spoke about. But I can, and I can understand yeah. why you would have it. But, I, yeah, man, the following week after, I didn't even train. I did, like, three chess sessions or, like, two chess sessions and a whatever. And I was like, no, that's it for me. I can't. Because, like, if I had to train that next week... When we started volume, I would have just been dead the next week. I could not have got back into proper training. It would have just postponed it even longer. So I was like, I'll just do what's best. I'll just rest. Nothing else. And and even then, it still took me another four weeks to get over it. Just felt like
2: ass. Yeah, and
1: that's like my clients. After like they compete or like a max out like engagement week, I'll tell them I'm like just just take this week off from like scheduled programming just. Like do some accessories and stuff if you want to this week mm. just 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 have fun do stuff that you usually don't do mm. you
0: know absolutely man um, we'll wrap it up in a sec but before we go I want you to let me know pardon me the plans for this year because I know we swapped to a USAPL um, you obviously have competitors in mind that you want to match or beat whatever um, what do you think the plan will be moving forward
1: uh, so right now I'm just I'm just doing like I said, I'm about to start working with Ben. I think I think next week is when we're going to start. Mm. So this week, I'm not going to do anything stupid. I think I, I've had myself programmed for this week. I'll have to look. But just prep, smash some volume throughout throughout this, this year and compete probably later on in the year. Mm. And then uh, I don't know how qualifying for nationals and stuff work, but I want to do nationals next year whenever it is and – Mm. compete there and just go from there
0: how did you pick uh how did you pick Ben up
1: um who was it i was actually because i know sean noriega's coach steve uh steve, I can't think of, yeah i messaged him because i was like i know this dude don't have any spots left but maybe i'll look up um and then he sent me to he said he didn't have any spots and he told me to go to matt cronin i don't know if you know who he is mm. um and i know Mitchell Jones, do you know Mitchell? Mm. He's coached by him and I messaged him just talking to Mitchell how he liked it and he said Matt didn't have any. So then I got <laughs> sent to Ben, so I was like, Well God, he was getting sent down the grapevine. Mm. But uh I've seen I've actually seen Ben's stuff before and like he puts out super, super good stuff. So mm. they were end up working out.
0: Mm. He doesn't talk much about programming from what I've seen, but I can imagine he's obviously quite intelligent. And he understands the body, which is oh, yeah. like programming is obviously important, but understanding the body, how it moves, how it responds, how individuals he, respond to stuff is so important.
1: He coaches uh, the dude. He's he's from not for sure sure where he's from. Can you still mm-hmm. hear
0: me? Yeah, I can hear you. Right,
1: my mom was on there, I'm it. But uh, he coaches uh, Jordy. Mm, yeah, I know Geordie. Sure. Geordie Jordy yep. lifts. He coaches yep. him and he's stupid strong. Mm. So. Mm.
0: Yeah, I do know. I do know Geordie. Um, I was going to have Geordie on, but apparently his English is no good, so he can't come on the <laughs> podcast yet. But yeah, uh, no, you sound like you're in really good hands, man. Um, I've seen some of Ben's stuff and just like I saw actually what I did see was some meme accounts. Well, not meme, but, you know, certified personal strengths meme account. Yeah. Um, he was making fun of ben for using the model pelvis and i don't know what he disagreed with and what like caused him to make fun of him but yeah he was actually making memes and making fun of ben which ben didn't even know about because i commented on one of these things but yeah making fun of him for using that model pelvis and like must have disagreed with one of the things he said but i mean if he's if he's if meme accounts of uh making fun of him and try to yeah. He's obviously he's, right. he's obviously doing something right, and like you know, disagreeing other people disagreeing with him, whatever. Um, but yeah, I do I do really enjoy his content. I've actually used a few things. I will not be implementing his skull crushes with the feet up, <laughs> but I have used some of his other stuff.
1: Dude, uh, you were talking about the meme pages. When I got on King of the Lifts for my six fifty for two deadlift,
2: mm.
1: holy crap! All these meme pages like started getting on my page comment. Really? Yeah. What like, negative stuff? When I'm, it, they was like sumo main pages. They was like sumo. That's cheating. You oh, know, right. Blah blah blah. Yeah.
0: But you have that's a strong like, conventional like, oh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, so I, I mean, pulled,
1: I, yeah. I pulled six hundred conventional. I haven't, I haven't it. That was a while ago. But... Yeah, and
0: and and that's and that's impressive for anyone at eighty-three kilos pulling six hundred. So it's like, yeah. Any young dude who pulls six hundred has my respect. If you're at like. 83, whatever, even 93. It's still a huge number for a teenager. Oh, yeah,
1: it's a good number for anybody, unless mm. you're, I mean, if you're a super heavyweight and do it, I'm just. Well, like,
0: most people like, would never pull 600. So it's, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, impressive well, to e- sumo, conventional, whatever. I don't understand the hate. Um, I'll let you go, man. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, and Oh,
1: yeah, I love what you're doing, man.
0: No, thank you very much. And best of luck um, for this year, obviously uh, Trey is someone to watch out for in the USAPL, man. And so, uh, I'll be paying attention to your training. Um, and I might message you in the future and ask how it's going with Ben. Uh, cause I am interested, interested to know about his powerlifting side. Obviously he's doing very well in the biomechanic and anatomical side of it, but yeah, man, uh, best of luck and I'll catch you later.